Technically speaking, um, we've had an intro today which is a wee bit different. Uh, some of you will recognise that sound that was made at the start and some of you won't recognise the sort of tropical bird sound that Pete then made laughing at it. Uh, I am joined by Peter this afternoon. I am Aaron. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm, I'm really good, man. You've you've made my, my Brexit fears a, a lot more palatable <laughs> with that. Um, so uh-huh. so for, for those that don't realise, that was... Aaron impersonating John Berko. Yes, Speaker of the House of Commons. And um, that was my laugh, that was my shriek. <laughs> I'm not particularly proud of it. I didn't know that Aaron was recording. I'm quite proud of the, the impression, to be honest. It was a really good impression. <laughs> it's actually it was quite a, really a good impression. So, if you want, I can pull up the video of him saying all the... And then what, well, what we could maybe you, you do can is fill, you can fill. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a wee while since uh, again we 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 keep promising more consistency, and um, the only thing that is consistent at the moment is a lack of consistency. Um, Pete is currently looking for that consistency. We will find it at some point. Um, but you know, there's been a couple of things that we'd like to talk about. I don't know if um, Peter would wish to have a discussion about what's been happening around uh, Brexit. It's entirely up to yourself. We can go into that in as much or little detail as you want. But uh, we've also got the um, Google Stadia, which we're going to talk about. I'm going to interrupt you with John Berkel. Oh. I'm going. You ready? Yes. Order! <laughs> order! Yes. Sit, order! I don't know what I'm doing. Order! <laughs> uh, order! Order! <laughs> There's no good people shouting. There will be an opportunity for other points of order, but the Prime Minister must and will be heard. Order! 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 The old gentleman has got to learn the art of patience. <laughs> and if he is patient, if he deploys Zen, he will find that it is ultimately to everybody's advantage. So we'll leave it there, and we come now... And we're going to leave that there. We're going to leave that there. Um, oh, so that's John Berko, Speaker of the House of Commons, who basically his job is to ensure that Parliament operates fairly and stuff like that. Uh, he's been in the news a lot over the he past has. week. We, we are recording this podcast on the day of the uh, Put It To The People March in London. Uh, 23rd of March, so six days from the original leaving date... Uh-huh. Which has obviously been extended, but I don't really want to get into it because by the time this podcact goes out on Monday they probably changed. It probably would have all changed. Fact, I know, because Parliament doesn't sit on a Sunday, so not that much will have changed, but even still, like it's a it's a very active and volatile situation. Uh, that's putting it mildly, yeah. I um, mean the fact that there's a podcast out about it every day and it every podcast is now becoming what they call an emergency podcast because uh-huh. so much is happening. Yeah. It's um it's pretty volatile and pretty crazy, but um, I not, not, don't really want to dig into the issue, but what I kind of wanted to ask you on was like a lot of people that I speak to about it are quite disillusioned by it. Mm-hmm. I, actually, when I speak to you, you don't seem to be disillusioned. You're almost, you you do seem to still have a, a genuine interest in what's going to happen. Is that me misreading it, or no, are you, well, are you no, sick of it like most other people? I, I mean, see? I'm sick of the pure... I'm sick of just the, the situation I'm sick of, but the... 
I'm still interested in it because it ultimately it does. Well, I mean, considering the the profession that I'm going to get into, doesn't really impact it that much. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things. It's just for. I mean, I, I'm I'm remain a Ramona, um, but I do, I just feel as if like the whole the whole. It's just, there's a lot we could get into. Basically, what I would like to happen is a second referendum, uh, because what you get on one side are uh, people who voted leave saying, "But we voted on this already." Uh, da, 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 da. And it's like, well, if the majority wish to still leave, then that's absolutely fair enough. But things have changed. Things have happened over the past three years, and that has meant that. Um, it would now be a more informed vote than it was back then and I just think it makes sense and I think people who are denying that are burying their heads in the sand but in comparison to what we voted on th- nearly three years ago now it uh-huh. was, um, it's almost like a blind vote it's like there was no deal in place there was no withdrawal treaty there uh-huh. was no Strasbourg agreement and whatever no. it is that they're currently working on, There's like a, there was all, also, all that stuff. Just there was also it. a promise from the Leave campaign, the official Leave campaign, that said that uh, they would trigger Article Fifty after having agreed a deal to give them the time. That wasn't done. I mean, David Cameron has to- total dereliction of duty for for me for what happened. Uh, the, the captain of the Costa Concord there basically just, just jumped as soon as he seen it was sinking um, after promising that he would stay I mean I don't think he would have done a much better job I think that uh, for bringing in uh, football it's a, it's a poison chalice because um, I don't think now three years down the line anybody who voted leave will get what they wanted not at all. I think I think people on all sides will inevitably be disappointed. Ah, uh-huh. and I think ultimately it, it's a lot more. If any other country in the EU had voted to leave, I don't think it would have been as complex. Purely down to the the whole Northern Ireland situation, but um, you know that that that's part of it. Northern Ireland and Scotland voted to remain in the EU, and I feel as well being a Scottish person, Scotland has been totally just disregarded. Um, yeah, I mean, in, nego- in the negotiations themselves and general discussions, uh-huh. quite like, neglected would be the word to use. Definitely. And I, c- I kind of appreciate that, you know, what the mainstream media shows might not be the trueness of what does happen. But it does seem to be that what the Scottish politicians talk about as well would, would indicate that, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of involvement um, with anyone in regards to uh-huh. Scotland's interests. But um, I think best not to dig in too much. Not too it much. It might be cool to um, get away from it all, as it is all that's on the news right now. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, speak a bit about tech, some, uh-huh. some cool stuff, uh-huh. some up-and-coming gadgets. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, um, so you, you wanted to speak about um, Google Stadia? Stadia? I would say Stadia. Stadia? Yes. Right, um, okay. So this was announced during the week. It was uh, actually a guy who I'm on the uni course with who it does, he's got like a gaming website and stuff like that, he was the one that told me about it. Shout out. the launch. Shout out the site. Uh, the Loot Gaming, it's called. The Loot Gaming? Yes, Adam, uh, the gentleman's name is, I don't know if I shall... Right, Adam, if we, if, we, if we are not shared on your social media feeds. <laughs> 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 
highly for this exclusive shout out. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so he basically put me on to it, and then you know we were having the, the usual chat about well, what do you want to talk about on the on the podcast? I was like, oh, why, why, why don't we talk about the uh, the Google the Google Stadia? Um, so talk anyone who doesn't really know what it is through it. Uh, it's basically just a it's a cloud gaming subscription service. Uh, and you can stream video games rather than buy them, have a disc, or download them. You can actually stream them in 4K, 60 frames a second. Um, so basically, I think a lot of people are seeing this as a sort of, like, I, I'm struggling to find a word. I know what word I want. It's as a sort of, like, um, watermark, as a sort of, like, a point where people can go, this is where this thing changed. I can't think of the word at all. Oh, so it's almost like a moment that people can look back uh-huh. on and say, this is where we moved from physical gaming media to almost uh-huh. digital I th- gaming I think media. a lot of people are looking at it like that, because, I mean, just... Yeah, so basically, my understanding of it um, is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is basically what Google are looking to do is to launch a, an online platform. So you visit a website, like any other website, uh-huh. Um, you can press FIFA 20 if, if that's ever the case <laughs> and basically you can be in a browser or a web or, or a, almost like Google Chrome or whatever um, you've got your wireless controller connected yep. and then you press play a computer somewhere loads FIFA 20 and starts playing it and, yep. you, and you're able to stream that due to um, things like uh, low latency and uh, high internet speeds uh-huh. so it's a technology from kind of understanding it right is that because internet speeds are getting faster you know because 5g's coming around if you want more information on 5g listen to the last episode yep um because 5g's coming around it's making technology like this more um approachable more um more realistic more i think re- more practical be. practical uh-huh. i think the words i'm um, looking for so is that, is that kind of the crux of it that google are leveraging the fact that they've got all these computer servers and they own youtube so they've already got this massive gaming market, uh-huh. and then they, they kind of want to stop. I think it's cool, man. Well, I, I think mean, it's really it, cool. I mean, it's, it literally says here that it's accessible through Chrome, <coughs> and yeah. uh, it will be. It's going to be integrated with YouTube. Yeah, because I think uh, I seen. I, I looked at a few articles very briefly because I didn't. I didn't actually know that this was what we we're going to talk about today, but I did see a couple of articles, and you know. I looked at a couple of articles kind of saying it's like the next big thing. Another couple of articles saying, you know, it's doomed. You know, Google are terrible at keeping projects alive, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the things that they did note was what they'd really like to do is um, you could be watching like a, a big YouTuber playing a game. Uh huh. And then there's like literally a button that says play now. And then you're able to basically just start playing the game that the guy's playing on the YouTube video. You know, uh-huh. you've got your controller, you've got, you've got your Stadia subscription, whatever that kind of comes across as. I think it's pure cool, man. I think I think they would ideally um, Twitch would be the ideal platform to partner with, but I could imagine Amazon, who are the owners of Twitch, I could imagine them doing something really similar to this. Because I mean, Amazon have got the the exact same. Like they've got all the computer servers. Uh-huh. Uh, Amazon Web Services is one of the biggest ways of like running a server, running a business these days. It would be very feasible for them to launch an extremely similar service. But it's just really cool to see hardware being leveraged in this kind of way it's really uh-huh. cool. um, I mean I don't know obviously I mean I, mean, I wouldn't say we just, we just plugged in to the Matrix as other people but this sort of came out of the blue a wee bit 
for me anyway. There had been rumours of it, and uh-huh. I know that there had been uh, something about an Assassin's Creed demo. Yes. Um, I'd seen that. And Odyssey, that, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Had that been, a, was that recent, or was that, I think that might have been a couple months ago So that's going like to be that. one of the uh, first titles. There's two titles currently, that and Doom Eternal. Uh, both release dates are to be announced. I think the release date of the, the sort of thing itself is to be announced. But I mean, the fact that we're, the fact that we're getting articles, so this time last week to now, we're now getting articles that are saying, will games yep. consoles become obsolete? It was last year. So last year there was a thing called Project Stream from Google. Okay. And that's what saw Assassin's Creed Odyssey launch on PC in a limited test via Chrome browser. So it was very limited and very low scale. Uh-huh. But it did show that that was kind of what their ambitions were. So this in terms of people who are probably plugged into gaming news uh, a little bit more than us, they've probably seen this coming in a distance. Um, I've got no idea about leaks or if anything was kind of impending. Um, I think a I'm couple a of things were leaked. I think it's just the usual when you've got a company as big as Google and you've got a thing as sort of groundbreaking as this. It's always difficult to um, keep under wraps. So, question, couple of questions for you. Couple of questions. Um, how would you see a service like this being priced? Because obviously the the traditional model is you pay two three hundred pounds for hardware yep. at a minimum two three hundred pounds and then you're you're buying games at 40 50 pounds a pop yeah you're playing it in a browser right uh, you're not really it's a lot a lot less tangible you're not buying discs it's all it's all done it's all done digitally so you, you've got no manufacturing process there in terms of any well, games google are still having to manufacture all the servers and, uh-huh. and all that but, but i mean but I, yeah sorry i kind of misunderstood where you were going to go with that there um how, how do you price it? Is it like a Netflix tier thing? Uh, that, was the, that was the thing I was going to say. We are um, so obviously the controller will need to be purchased. I would imagine thinking about going rates for Xbox One and PlayStation Four controllers about fifty pounds for the controller, yeah. and then who knows? I mean, if you think about it, well, you also you also well, there's an, another hidden cost there that you need to have a really good internet plan as well. Uh-huh. You can't you can't have like the cheap. Um, well, you, can, you can't skimp on it, yeah. however. Broadband is becoming more and more common, you know. Uh-huh. And yeah. faster broadband is becoming more and more common as well. Um, but it's certainly two overheads that up until now, I'm not saying obviously online gaming has been a thing, but there's a difference between playing a game online and having a laggy game versus uh-huh. actually the full game, the full experience. Uh, the, the, the full booner. Um, I think, I mean, a, a way to look at it, people now pay for their TV monthly. People now pay for their music monthly. People pay for their mobile phone monthly. People pay for everything monthly. But games are... I don't know if that has been picked up, but that is very strange. Okay, Um, I've got no idea what that was. No. um, (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll pop back in a minute. We're going to take a break just now. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. And we are back. We are indeed. Um, after that hilarious break. So that turned out to be uh, what we think was a truck. Um, yeah, a truck was making some really weird noises that it kind of caught us both off guard, so we wanted yes. to go see what it was. Um, bye, where were you? Uh, oh, we were just talking about the, the pricing. Sort of pricing of the Google Stadia. Um, I think, so one of the things that we'd spoken about off off air was... Um, the fact you would have to rebuy all your titles. 
But I think I don't really know if it would work like that because I think Google would know that asking people to rebuy in some cases about like 20, anywhere between like 10 and 50 titles that you have. I guess it really depends on a couple of things. So when you said people pay for their TV monthly, um, their music. mobile monthly and their music monthly, are you insinuating that there will be games pre-packaged in that? Or uh, would, would it still... I, w- I would think that what I, I mean, we, we talk about streaming services a lot, and the way that, I mean, obviously, I, I could be well off here. The way I would envisage it working best would be if we had a Netflix type situation, where so see we've got we've got two we've got two games here. So we've got Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Doom Eternal. Uh, these are the two games that are uh, like to be released on this on this platform. Um, so I would imagine you would pay like a monthly fee, whatever that monthly fee would be. Um, I don't know, like like ten pounds a month, something like that. I, I, I genuinely don't know what because I, I mean let's be let's be honest. Google has a global market; it's the biggest browser in the world. It gets billions of like unique requests every day. Uh, they have they pretty much have a monopoly on sort of a lot of things. Google, I think, could do basically what Spotify do, what Netflix do, where you pay £10 a month, a certain amount of that goes into running the actual service itself, and then some of it goes to developers. And developers, that way, get a constant stream of money, rather than having to depend on releasing titles all the time. Obviously, like if they release more titles, they'll get more money, that kind of thing. But I could also see it working in the three-tier way as well, where if you are proper into your gaming you can pay like 15 you have like your sort of bottom, middle and top end, just your typical sort of thing, I w- that would be the way I would imagine it working best. Cool the, uh, the only reason I'm asking is because that's obviously radically different from how people play games and also how a lot of the companies are used to getting paid uh-huh. um, you know a company like EA me and you buy FIFA every year and, yeah. and they're used to getting pretty much, well if you buy £50 for a game apart from um, the money going to the, the the person you bought it from, whether that's Game, Tesco, Asda, pretty much the rest of that money just goes straight to them. It seems into their uh, into their coffers, into their coffers. Yes. <laughs> the, so it, it it seems to me like charging like fifteen twenty pounds would be a relatively low barrier of entry, and I don't know the way I envisioned it working. Right. Um, and it's it was almost like what we had imagined what the Nintendo Switch should do. So basically, you're paying um, a tenner a month or whatever, and you know that covers the hardware side of things. So it keeps those Google servers uh-huh. running, you know, helping them improve their service constantly, um, improving the software, making sure that things work and all that. But then, and you might get some indie titles or older games kind of pre-packaged in that. Ah, uh-huh. a bit like a sort of almost a bit PlayStation Plus. Kind of, kind of like that, and and, and kind of almost like when you say Netflix style. It's uh, like, have you ever heard of Xbox Game Pass? I have. So you know, it's. I think it's eight pounds a month, but you get access to pretty much all Xbox One games. But all those games tend to be about maybe eighteen to twenty-four months old. Okay. So, so you're getting access to those games that you know developers aren't making any money on because they're releasing your titles. So you know, like you might get a copy of FIFA Seventeen or uh, co- maybe. Uh, two cod ago or whatever it uh-huh. is like, or, or slightly older titles so basically you would pay £8 to get that but you'd still have to 
you know, cough up money if you want a blockbuster title. Okay. That's the way I kind of envision it. You know, you pay, I, I think it will be roughly about 15, 16 pounds. A fair chunk of that will go towards just maintaining the hardware. I, I think money of that will go to a pre-populated selection. You might get, you know, 50, or might get access to 50 or 100 titles. But then, I mean, a big part of this is that they get the that they get the right partnerships. You know, if they're able to get these big brands on board, uh-huh. I think if they're able to get these big brands on board, and you know, they're making for Xbox, they're making for PS4, and then they're also making for Stadia. It doesn't really make sense for people to ha- not have not pay anything for on Stadia. Uh huh. I mean, I I suppose the the big thing that it would come down to would be demand. Um. So I've just I've just like just proper basic stuff. If you have, so how much would you like an Xbox One is what four hundred pounds? Well, when you consider a new console, a groundbreaking console, like when the next generation, so when the three hundred and sixty came out or the PS three or PS four first came out, they were probably about four five hundred pounds. I'm gonna guess uh, the PS three was a bit of an PS three was five hundred. That was an anomaly. That was an anomaly, Um, but. when I'd say four hundred pounds. Call it four hundred. Yeah. How long do you keep that console for? So I had my PlayStation Three. You're for trying to work out the average monthly cost here. I get, seven I get that. years. Uh huh. So seven years I had my PlayStation Three for. Yeah. It was two thousand and seven to twenty twenty fourteen was when the new ones came out. I'm guessing you're doing the maths here now. Uh huh. So okay, I've had. <laughs> who would have thought it? Um, so that that works out at fifty seven pounds a year. For seven years at four hundred pounds, yep, which is what your Xbox One cost. The PlayStation Four, I think, comes in below that. Well, an Xbox One, like an old, like the original Xbox One, you can get for much less. Uh-huh. I think w- w- when at that point of release, I think. But I think I think I can kind of see what you're driving at. Fifty-seven pound a year only comes out at like four pound a month. I can, I can uh, between four and five. Pounds four and five pounds. I think what you have to consider though is the fact that it's a groundbreaking technology. I get that. Well, not only that, but okay, you're paying slightly more than four or five pounds. But say as technology improves on the hardware side, so say there's a, a new server that comes out or a, a new processor or a new GPU that's more beefy, Google just needs to buy them, and then you're immediately served with greater graphics. Uh-huh. Like you're not having to fork out on four. Four, five hundred quid but every then, four or five then years. Then it would you know? be a case of would Google be so? I mean, th- there would obviously be a case of you need constant maintenance, and I get that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not but trying to justify a cost because we don't have a cost. I'm just basically trying to look at what would be a cost because there's also the situation of um, there's an article here from Venture Beat. And they say, getting pricing right is important for any company, but it is particularly critical for a potentially game-changing innovation like Stadia, which is really the first of its kind in the market. A very low price runs a couple of risks. It could devalue full-blown games in the minds of consumers, much like what has happened to mobile gaming. Um, you know, you might start get to a lot. You might start to get a lot of free-to-play games because it's only four or five pounds a month, and you know, four or five pounds, you get access to games, and then there's free-to-play games with the adverts, you know, you could start to see a lot of similar habits, uh-huh. um, or we'll communicate the wrong message about Stadia itself, that the service isn't premium enough. Starting too low may also force the company to do yearly price hikes, because it just becomes too expensive for them to maintain, which may in turn frustrate users. You've then got the other the other side of the coin, which is that a super high price may uh, deter a significant number of people from even trying the product, electing to continue their usual stream or console purchasing routine. But I think it, when it does come to the fact that if uh, Stadia are able to basically say we are the next generation, 
Uh-huh. And that I sign up is fifteen pounds a month versus having to pay four hundred pounds in a console. I still think that because that is a much higher, um, it's a much more impressive proposition. I think you're more than happy to pay fifteen pounds a month than you would be. You know that way. Like I remember when the Xbox One came out, and it, it, it took me over a year before I was like, you know what, I do want this. Uh-huh. Whereas I feel like fifteen pound a month, no doubt, Stadia will have like a thirty day trial. You're hooked, uh-huh. you're hooked before course. you know it. But, uh, so I've, I'm, I'm reading an article on um I like how this has not became a, an argument, but almost like a real discussion uh-huh. on this. Uh-huh. So it says that the big competitor is Sony's PlayStation Now, yep. which is $19.99 a month. Yep. But what you can also do, which is something that I neglected to, to consider, so nine, nine to $20 a month for 12 months is $240 a year. And is this is this almost like game Which, Game Pass? Is this what it gives you access I, to games? I think so. Yeah, um, stream PS gives access to over six hundred games from the PS3, PS4, and two. Oh wow! Um, so again, it's almost like a Netflix option where uh-huh. rather than having to buy games, you just get access to them. But what you can do is pay ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents per year and pay a yearly, and you save money. Yeah. You get a yearly option. So you yeah. could do that. Uh, ultimately, as we so said, what we do at the retro, it comes down to demand. <laughs> the retro dot co dot uk. Yes. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to demand. I think if the demands there's a supply and demand thing, demands there for it. I mean, would you would you pay fifteen pounds a month for it? You know, for me at the minute with an Xbox One and who is not particularly enamoured with many games outside of you know, the big titles. No, but then if I was, if I, but no, 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 but the reason I say that is because I think the reason I'm not particularly enamoured with a lot of games is because I don't have access to them, because I don't want to be spending 40, 50 pounds exactly. in a game that and I might not like. Um, so I think if Stadia was almost to have that unique balance of blockbuster titles that I will admit I am one of the the worst kind of stereotypical gamers, like I play Grand Theft Auto when it comes out, I play FIFA when it comes out. But the rest of the time, I don't really use it for much, and that's because gaming for me is more of a way to relax and kind of get away with what I've got going on. But I think I've always had this, um, in fact, like a genuine interest in, like you know, you get Steam, and it's they've got like the indie titles and these wee games that cost like nine, ten pounds. Uh-huh. I think if it was able to service both both of those, um, which it could, which I think it really it could, it definitely could. I would probably be more likely to not only actually spend more money on games, but I'd be more than happy to pay £15 a month because I'm not having to, you know, have that financial outlay of three, £400, you know? And I get that after two years, I've spent £360 if it's £15 a month. But if you've got unlimited access to as many titles as you can if you've or, 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 or even if it's a, a limited access to, you know, as PlayStation now is 600 games, I think Xbox is something like 250 titles. I think if you're getting that base... I'm going to play those titles. I'm going to buy the new ones that I want when they come out, and I'm probably more likely to spend, you know, five, six, ten, fifteen pounds on a title if it's, you know, featured, if it's on sale, stuff like that. Uh-huh. So I think I think it's really it does have a proposition, um, but I think a lot of what we're talking about is um, it's conjecture. A lot of it's conjecture, and I think the the I think about a really big challenge for Google will be convincing studios to not only. Pre- to not only produce for um, Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo, but also for Google. Um, how how do you kind of see that happening? What's your gut feeling on that? Because uh, Ubisoft are obviously on board. Clearly, big studio. That's a it. big studio. Um, your other ones that you would have to win over are EA. Um, 
and I mean, I think indie developers would jump at the chance to be to be honest. Like, I, I mean, if they've, especially if they have a chance to put their name out there and become a bit more well known. I think. I mean, I think it, it genuinely, as we said, it's all conjecture. But if they get it right, then I think it could be great. And I think as well, even if they don't get it right, I think this will, as I said earlier on, completely change it. And I think if they, Google don't pick it up and run with it, somebody else will. Yeah, and it will ultimately. And I mean, change. I mean, digital games in itself is a concept which has been about for a while. You know, you've got the Xbox uh-huh. Store, the PlayStation Store. I don't know if you actually seen, but Xbox are launching a discless Xbox One soon. Okay. Um, so basically, it's an Xbox One. So you basically just buy the it's on the, the hardware. Way. This kind of thing's on um, the way. But that for me, that that when I seen that, it was like a totally other thought that hadn't even, even crossed my mind. Secondhand titles, that market just goes out the window. Um, uh-huh. So like you know, like um, you'd go to game and there'd be like the pre-owned section. Didn't save you a lot of money, but it saved you a little bit of money. And again, I realised that me. Myself, I'm not that consumer because you know, as I just admitted, I'm the type of person that only buys a couple of games a year. Uh-huh, but I know, but I know there's people who you know they'd go to CEX and they go to game and they go to GameStop and they look online on eBay because they don't want to spend the forty, fifty pounds, but they can spend twenty, twenty-five, and that whole market goes out the window unless Google or Microsoft are running a sale. You're going to have to pay full price. You know, you're not going to find some guy on eBay. Who, uh-huh. just, who just wants to offload his collection? It's a total other side of the market, and I guess it's uh, it is more money. Like you know, when I, it's like well, I, I'm just kind of figuring out well, how, I, how I think because it, it's more money and it's more money for people like us. But then, if you don't have that initial outlay of buying a console, so no, but well, that's not actually what that's not what I was going to say. I, I agree with what you're saying, but what I was actually thinking was like um, a company like EA let's use FIFA because it's in the, the game uh-huh. that we both play yes so say a copy of uh, FIFA so, and, um, so basic and you get it and after three to four months you know you're not feeling it so you decide to trade it in the company that then buys it obviously they pay a fair price and then a guy comes in he pays he he buys your copy of FIFA 19 for £10 less than you paid for it uh-huh. EA, EA aren't getting any of that money no. um, because they're buying someone else's game what I was just kind of figuring out in my head there was if you remove that second-hand market, it means that everyone that wants a copy of FIFA 19 is going to have to pay EA for it. So even if some of the games or you get discounts as part of a monthly subscription, you're not going to be missing out on potential customers who are just shopping from the pre-owned market because if you want one of those games, you need to buy it from EA. Do you kind of get what I'm driving at here? I get what you're saying. And I and I think that's a huge market because there's so many shops, so many online stores, and all they do is deal in second-hand games. They uh-huh. uh, is this is this another plug for the? This for isn't the retro? this isn't anything to do with the retro. The retro right. stops at PlayStation Two, and that's when it's just. We, we stop at PS2 like I don't, I'd, I'd never really considered this it's only just when I've been trying to figure out in terms of partnerships and pricing I was just thinking that you know is, is the downside is that you're potentially not going to be able to get a game cheaper unless it's on sale but the upside is um, that Google might be able to win over a company like EA by, by literally saying to them 5 million people a year buy a game pre-owned uh-huh. those 5 million could be 5 million extra customers for you you're going to jump on that, you oh, know. Of course, that, that, especially EA, especially <laughs> into the coffers. The money, you know. Yes. And, I mean, the, so, th- the thing. I mean, another thing is as well for talking about yeah. FIFA and that. Um, 
the actual outlay for the game is no longer their main source of income. And that's again, that was something else I was going to say. You were saying um, developers, they need to create more titles to make money. And I'm like, well, no, because 90% of it is DLC, uh, obviously, uh, Ultimate Team. Like, they, was it not like the Star Wars game? Like, you can't play as Darth Vader unless you've done something like 500 hours. And if you've not done 500 hours of the game, it's like £25 to unlock them. Like, just uh, really basic and not, it's quite snidey and quite, it's quite coy. But I think these types of um, manipulation of customers, you know, you pay 40 quid, but if you actually want to play the full game, it, it costs something like 150. Oh, I, don't, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. That's I really shocking. don't agree with That's that. shocking. But, um, you know, you could also have... So that maybe that could be... But you're hoping that that extra revenue, potentially, from customers not buying in the pre-owned market... Well, I mean, I, 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 oh, I hate to go back to political, but capitalists are just going to take all the money they can. And... And see, the thing is as well, though, what you could have if you do have the tiering system. But it could so be something that Google enforce. Google could say, you know, we're not going to support DLC because we've got other revenue streams available. Like they're, but they're, if they can get, if, if their way to persuade developers to get on board is extra revenue, and then Google say, we are going to cut off a source that is of mass, a massive revenue stream for you, then they'll probably just say no. Because in a sense, they hold all the cards. It depends who holds all the cards, because it could be something that Google do once they've got a mass. You know, it could be three, four years in, and they go, well, you know what, we don't think it's right that customers are being gouged for an extra 20 30 pounds. I can't see Google doing that. Um, I think you could see it happening on a marketplace. I think you could see a company taking a stand. uh Uh-huh. And and I'm just thinking... It's a bubble. That bubble will burst eventually. It just depends when. But I think... um, I think what you could maybe have is that, so we're talking about the tiering, the, the three tiers that you get, is that if you pay top tier, which is £25 a month rather than 15 you get automatically all the DLCs, all additional extras. It's, and al- it's almost like the, the different copies of FIFA you can get when you pre-order. Exactly. In a sense. Aye, yeah. aye. And you can choose the perks you get, and if you pay more money for it, you pay more money for it, and then... Because, I mean, ultimately as well, that then stops people being, like, done over in a sense because they just pay, rather than paying £150 for a full game, they pay £25 a month for 12 months. So, yeah, um, I guess I guess it really, it really depends because DLC, when it first came out, was used to genuinely incentivise developers to once they'd produced a game, not just abandon it. Uh-huh. It was the fact that, you know, you can get a game and then, you know, you've completed it six months later, there's a couple of new levels available. But it's almost now got to the point where they've already built all that extra stuff, but they're just staggering it. Like, Aye. it's not an incentive now, it's uh-huh. just a way for them to it's, make more money. It's, like the, it's been a, manipulated, I, I mean, this, is a, this might be a weird uh, way to go, but it's almost like that, in a sense, is a bit like the sort of Bosman ruling in football and how important that came in terms of the the power totally switching. And in this case, the so power... So for those who aren't football savvy. So basically, there was a footballer, I think he was Eastern European, his name was Bosman, I can't remember his first name. Um, the way it used to work was that you couldn't leave a football club. Basically, you were... you were. Ba- I mean, it was awful. It was basically like slave labour. You just had to keep coming in, even if your contract ran out, that kind of thing. He then took uh, a club to court, and it was ruled that 
uh, he was allowed to leave for free because his contract had ran out to another club. This was a pure milestone, so basically this means that players now hold a lot of power over clubs rather than clubs holding power over players. And that's now basically what's happened in gaming, in the sense that it used to be the gamers who held all the power. And that, I feel, is now switched. And the studios now hold it. Because they can now go... They can be, I mean, it's holding people to ransom to go, if you don't play 500 hours then we'll just charge £25 for it. Yeah. And I don't... It's crazy, man. I, I don't think that's... I, don't, I really don't think that's fair, to be honest. Um, fair enough, passing through levels to unlock... Unlock! Uh, Division! <laughs> Clear the level. Order, order. Uh, to unlock... Junior Minister? <laughs> sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> to, to, I've to totally unlock. thrown you off, like, I'm sorry. Turn, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but to, to, to hold people financially to ransom, I don't think is fair. Yeah, you sh- when you when you buy a game, you should get access to everything that is in the game. If you can't get past a level, you either you're stuck, or what was the old school way? Cheat code, cheat codes, oh, man. Oh yes, Remember indeed. cheat codes uh-huh. seems such a. Or it's like it's like a fossil now. It's like who'd use cheat codes? I know. Up, know. down, up, down. Oh, fantastic! I know that's harping back to San Andreas. Days. It is um, so. so I was just going to kind of move on a wee bit and talk about um, some of the technical elements of Stadia because obviously that's a really big element. Is there something you kind of wanted to bring up beforehand or am I right just to kind of charge ahead? Uh, on you go, on you go. So, be, so um, I spoke about how Stadia works with um, the, cr- the Chrome browser. Yes. So how that would work on a traditional gaming setup with a TV is you would use the Chromecast. So the Chromecast would plug in your TV and you cast the game up to the telly the same way you would cast a YouTube video or a Spotify or any sort of app that's supposed uh-huh. to do you, do you have a Chromecast? Yeah, I do not not no. have it uh, we've got one in our house but I only use it kind of very rarely but my dad who he's got an Android phone so a lot more Google oriented like pretty much every app has got some sort of integration that you can kind of pop up onto the telly oh. which is it's pretty cool like even just from like Want to play some music in a room, you know, your TV's connected to a soundbar, right, that's it, just shoved up, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so the Stadia, I think, is going to connect to Chromecast, are you alright? You gave me a, ch- you had a wee chuckle there, is it, was I quite loud? No, I don't know, if so, I think you just maybe like banged the table a wee bit, because I was just sitting and then the, uh, the mic cover ah, just pure wobbled. My apologies, my apologies. Um, yes, so Chromecast uh, connects to... This, or Stadia connects to Chromecast, that's how you use it on the telly. Okay. Um, the, the demo of Stadia offered three types of connection. Excellent, degraded and severe, which I'd love to know what a severe game looks like. <laughs> um, apparently all three of these connections left users with the results but were very much acceptable for play. I can't imagine a severe game is going to be acceptable to play, but alright. Um, interestingly though, this is an article from 9to5Google. It says, interestingly though, Eurogamer points out in a hands-on article that Google offers developers a 15 meg connection simulation, which is designed to represent an unstable connection. So basically you need more than 15 meg um, to, to have a smooth game. Okay. Now, I'm not giving, giving any private details away, but I, I think in our house, the, the, the Donahue house, we're getting somewhere between 60 and 80 meg um, on right. Virgin Media, which is like... 
not an expensive plan, I don't think now. It used to be like their top tier plan and then, you know, you get that phone call like, oh, we'll just upgrade you and we're like, well, we don't need upgraded to 250 or whatever it is now. <laughs> so we'll, we've saved a bit of money and we've stayed at like the 50, 60. But I okay. think most BT broadband plans and most Sky broadband, you're looking at about 20 to 30. I think. Right. Alan's looking at me going, I get three. <laughs> no, I'm actually going on to my uh, to my broadband account just now to see. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do a wee a wee speed test for the office whilst you do that because I'm very curious about what the what the Wi-Fi speeds are in here because if we can get some, so we're sitting at oh, it's about ten. Oh, that's us. We're uh, unstable gameplay. We can't play Stadia in the office. Oh, we're at nine point two two. Don't do that's a bit weird, man. <laughs> But we're getting... <laughs> forgot what I was saying. I know, what was <laughs> that? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so we're at nine, 9 meg up, and I think it's looking about 9 meg down. So we would be below the the connection. It says here, your internet connection should be able to handle streaming an HD video. So Google obviously see a video is not being as intensive as a game, which you can understand. Yeah. Because there's obviously inputs from the user exactly. that, that need to be Aye. registered. You're not just streaming the video, you know, you're streaming the inputs as well. So which is why the the up the upload speed will be really important as well. Um but yeah, so but it's quite cool. So image streaming takes a hit if it's below fifteen and they're able to reduce ten eighty down to seven twenty. So they're actually able to reduce the quality of the game but still making it playable. Okay. So you know the quality becomes a Nintendo Wii <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the image isn't quite as detailed and that's pretty much it. So it's quite cool. Um, custom hardware behind the scenes. So this is um, for the techie heads out there. Um, it says here that on stage Google only hinted at the power behind Stadia. Under the hood, each Stadia instance is powered by a custom 2.7 gigahertz hyper-threaded x86 CPU. Now that could mean a lot of things. My MacBook is more than 2.7 gigahertz, but it's not hyper-threaded. And well, x86 is, I think that's a Windows base um, or a DOS. I don't remember x86, I may be talking rubbish. Um, a custom AMD GPU capable of 10.7 teraflops, and that's just the basics. Uh, multiple instances can be used to improve things. 16 gig of RAM, essentially unlimited amounts of storage. Um, so I mean, it's it looks like the the actual software that they're using is going to be pretty beefy. Okay. Um, so it's not like there's going to be any issues from the Google side of streaming thousands of customers that they're playing, you know, NBA or whatever kind of title all at once. It sounds like the all the instances, which is basically you've got a computer, it's running a whole bunch of programs. Uh-huh. Each program will be a customer's game, which is quite cool. Um, I've uh, so I've, I've found my uh, so my average broadband speed for the thing I'm on just now is uh, thirty six. So thirty six. So you're good. You'd get a fine. Uh-huh. HD. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know in in terms of so that's sort of the ideal average speed. I'll yeah. check. I'll check when I go home. Yeah, you can report what back next week. Uh-huh. Um, so the next thing was, um, you know, your Google account. It's becoming more and more of a central hub of your life. We've uh, spoken about that before we as have. well. In a that, couple cent- that centralization about how Gmail, you know, it's your email, it's your calendar. It's it can be your phone, depending on. In, in your case, it is Android. Yep. Um, 
but I'm going to guess that your Google account would then become your Stadia account as well. So basically, you just sign Surely in with Google. Yeah, it's just so um, it's it's cool because how annoying is it when you forget your password for uh, your PS4 or the Xbox? Oh. Because mine is uh, an Outlook account because it's Microsoft, so it's some antiquated Outlook account that I I've think got mine's is a, a hot like a yeah. live account. And yeah. like, it you go into it when you forget your password and you're like, oh, that's a lot of spam mail. Right, get my, get my, uh, my uh, authentication code and get out of there. My live account, wait till you hear the amount of... Unread. I've deleted mine. I literally deleted both my accounts and changed my Microsoft account because I was like, I am not looking at this. So I will not disclose the email address because not only would, you know, eventually, maybe, we would get some spam. Oh, when when this podcast hits uh, uh, double figures and they're listening, yeah. I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it is an utter embarrassment to me. Um, 17,014 <laughs> Pick on one out Pick one out I just am curious like, What is ro- some random mailing list That you're on So the uh, the focused box Is not loading <laughs> Oh here we go Here we go wow. A random one Right so I'm just going to Scroll back through time And click on one So as you look through um, I'm going to just I keep talking about Stadia And I'm kind of curious For your thoughts on this Alan. So it's saying here That gaming on a smartphone Usually takes up Huge amounts of power even a simple game can easily drain your batteries in just a few hours. However, as explained in this Google interview, uh, when Google Stadia is running on smartphones, it's the same as playing a video. So it could play for about 10 hours. Um, that could be a proper game changer. Ooh. Again, using that internet connection to free up um, the battery on a phone, I think is becoming more and more of a really interesting prospect. I think you've got a, you could have this situation in like 5-10 years time where your phone is literally just a screen and everything is happening elsewhere. Now, you're sniggering on, so um, what, what have you found? <laughs> well, uh, what I have found is a email from Groupon. The boy? Three years ago. Fantastic. Th- only three years ago? Well, yeah. I guess you didn't scroll back that much. Ice skating at MDs. And then just loads of stuff like that. Tattoo removal. Godfather's <laughs> Barbers Glasgow, two hundred pounds down to fifty nine. Quite the bargain. You could, uh, you should have taken them up on that offer with that <laughs> with horrible all those tattoo you've no got. No tattoos. <laughs> for the record, I have no tattoos. Um, James that's, that's Martin. Just for, that's just for Arne's family. James, <laughs> James Martin live UK tour. Yeah. Salt therapy. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't actually want to know. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Let's see what else we'll find. Some it's all just group on Amazon, Bing, that kind of thing. The usual. So um, I'm keen to kind of get your not closing thoughts, but what what do you kind of see as the the the, the, the next questions that need to be answered? Like what what would kind of what's your current gauge on the idea of it being a success, and what do you think? What type of information needs to come out, and what do people need to be sold on before? it becomes um, a success. I think there's a lot of elements. I'm just curious what you kind of see as your most important. And then I've I've got a couple that I'd probably... Like. Okay, so for me, uh, obviously it's still very much in its infancy. The the sort of main things that it has to... So I mean, I, I, currently, I'm on board. The main things it has to persuade me uh, in terms of how successful it could be is first of all reliability I think is a big issue in Um, terms of internet connection in terms of internet connection like how well it can actually run uh, that kind of thing yeah like actually seeing it in day to day life Uh rather than this demo which looked fantastic and I've got no doubt that they're trying to 
uh, I don't really think they're trying to like, extend the truth by any means, but I get what you're saying. Uh, then another thing is the sort of variation variation of the developers and titles that they persuade on board. And the you, need, you need to have good games. <laughs> exactly. And the, the, the other most important thing is um, the, the price and how that system would work. Those are the main things that they have to answer. Um, we've spoken about what we've sort of what we would like it to be, um, but who knows what Google are planning? Um, what about yourself then? For me, I mean, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Everything that you've said, I think, really th- those questions need to be and will be answered. What I'm kind of curious about is when you've got this console where everything's online. I wonder what the online experience would be like, as in um, how easy will it be to play with other people? Will they have features like you know, like Xbox Live parties, all that stuff? Like, what will they really mm. do to help to rejuvenate the social aspect? And because I've found like Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, I found a re- to be a really sociable console. That was probably the best console that's yeah been released, and, and, and I do think that since Xbox One, again, maybe due to my own not playing games as much and maybe not having as big a community playing games uh-huh. but I do f- t- I do think that game uh, gaming companies can do a lot more to help to improve the social aspect of games definitely um, I think that PC gaming's making a lot of headway on that I know that people can join random rooms and all that stuff but having a centralised console where everything's all in one place I think that would be that could be a game changer never mind anything else definitely really bringing in that social piece um, how are we for time? Uh, we are 50 minutes into the podcast. Ready uh, to wrap then? Definitely, yeah, because my laptop battery is uh, falling through its own backside. Right, okay. Um, well, do you want to close out or shall I? Uh-huh, so, well, I mean, we'll both do it. So, the first thing, I just need to ask you a wee question before we go. Where can the lovely people get in touch with us? So, the easiest way to get in touch is at TechnicallyPod across all social media platforms. Uh, we mm-hmm. also have a website technicallypod.co.uk and we have an email address hello at technicallypod.co.uk if you want to leave a voice message for us to play out on the podcast which is really cool um, download the app Anchor they recently get bought by Spotify so you might be able to do this on Spotify soon but give us your best John Berko yes give us your best order order and uh, wow (laughs) Um, um what can the good people listening do to help us out? Uh, they could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be great. <laughs> I, I mean, would really appreciate I that. I would appreciate it I mean, well. tell a pal as well. You know, our listening is going exactly. on. Exactly. A wee five-star review so the people that you don't know listen to our Word podcast. of mouth and word of five-star reviews are the best Five-star reviews are a great a great way of uh, shooting the podcast. So um, we really appreciate those who have done that already. And uh-huh. if you're able to listen, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so I have been Aaron and I have been joined by Peter. And uh, we both wish you a lovely week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Technically Speaking. (laughs) Pete's filling there because he's not realised that I'm doing the outro and there it comes. There we go. Um, Thanks guys. Have a good one. Roll!